Welcome to Formula None Podcast, starting from P20. We have Mr. Race Weekend. We will pretend like we didn't do that. We had some, yes, we had very good reasons for missing a race weekend. I moved house. Yeah. Come on. And you did something else as well. Um, Yeah, we, we, there's good reasons for missing. Uh, Unfortunately, we did. We didn't really have time to catch up. And uh, even this one's a bit late. But I think, I think we should be able to run around about normal from here on in. So we're here to talk about Imola, uh, which is now two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, week and a half, yeah. Week and a half, yeah. Well, it's almost, uh, it's Friday tomorrow, so it's we're almost at um, Miami. We're almost there. It's true. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was uh, it was a pretty good race, actually. We, we I enjoyed actually, that weekend. It was yeah, great. We did, and we managed to watch the race together as well, which uh-huh, is we did. like uh, first time. So that was, that was pretty cool. That was an enjoyable experience. And it was a sprint race weekend. I have a little bit, I think, to chat about with that. Any other business? No, I think we may as well go straight it. into yeah. it. Let's go qualifying because yeah. there are three yeah. things to deal with. Yeah, so, well, qualifying was on Friday, right? So yeah. um, one practice session straight into qualifying and it was wet slash drying. I think first practice might have been wet actually as well, uh, which which definitely makes life harder. Uh, there sure. was Yeah, it was surprisingly well behaved to be honest there was a few offs here and there there was a few red flags here and there but it wasn't chaos which it it really could have been um and i think the thing of note for me was in q1 that hamilton only just scraped through by the skin of his teeth really close um yeah there's more to talk about there with hamilton's performance over the weekend yeah yeah and mercedes i guess as well isn't it by Mm. by by connection to that um science crashed again yeah just pushing too hard right I think so, and he'd actually set a good a good enough lap already to make it through. Now this was in Q three. He crashed, I think. I think remember no, he crashed in Q two because he couldn't. Was it Q2? Um, yeah, it was Q two. Oh yeah, sorry, it was Q two. Yeah, yeah, he made it into Q three. Yes, uh, but he but he couldn't, couldn't race do a lap because yeah. yeah. And neither of the Mercedes made it into Q three the first time since twenty twelve. So, if we cast our minds back a bit, and for new fans, you won't remember back in two thousand and nine when Rossborn bought the team after Honda collapsed. So Honda uh, decided to pull out of Formula 1 after the 2007 or 8, I think it was 2007, global financial crisis. Oh, okay. They pulled out, decided to pull out of Formula 1 before the 2009 season, and they didn't make any real effort to sell the team. They decided right. to pull out. So this sounds familiar, right? They just randomly go, okay, we're pulling out now. Uh, mm-hmm. Goodbye. Um, they've done it again recently, right? So yeah. Ross Braun managed to get enough money together. So Ross Braun was in charge of the team, who's now um, you know, in charge of the sporting side of the FIA, I think. Or not FIA, he's in charge of the sporting side of um, of Formula One. Not That's not the FIA, I don't know. Right. Um, so he was, had been, uh, okay, this is history lesson right here. We're going a long way back, and I keep okay. going back further and further. I'll stop here. Right. So Ross Braun was the team principal of Ferrari. Well, not team principal, sorry. He was the technical director of Ferrari in there. Extremely successful period from the late 90s through to the uh, early 2000s and mid 2000s. He came across to Ferrari with Michael Schumacher uh, in about that era in the mid mid 90s. And he was a a hugely important part of their success. He retired uh, and then decided to come back. I think if I'm remembering it correctly, he retired and then he came back. Honda brought him back back when Honda owned a team outright in Formula One. Right. They 
decided to pull out uh, due to the global financial crisis after a pretty short window. I think they'd been uh, Honda for only maybe three years and they'd built a garbage car uh, in 2008. It was truly garbage, Aww. but they'd put a huge amount of effort into 2009 where there was a big rule change. So come 2009, uh, Ross Braun has bought this team. He's kept it alive on a skeleton crew and they've got an absolute amazing car. It's half a second faster than anyone else. They now have a Mercedes engine. And this um, is kind of how this story is really how Mercedes began as to be a dominant team and McLaren dropped off from being a regular race winning team. This is actually all tied into that story. So Honda spent a huge amount of money, did a huge amount of work for 2009, but then they pulled out. Ross Braun bought the team. The team won the 2009 championship with Jensen Button. They just scraped through in the end because they didn't have any money to develop the car, but it was so strong at the beginning of the championship that they managed to scrape through. Mercedes had been trying to buy McLaren. McLaren refused, so they ended up buying Braun. So when they bought Braun in 2010, which was the next year, the car wasn't as good because, like I said, they really didn't have, hadn't had the money to develop the car. So Mercedes came in and they had to start building up the car again. So what right. they did quite early on was they managed to get a car that was very fast, actually. So often would do very well in qualifying, but would absolutely chew its tires. So even back in 2012, with uh, Michael Schumacher and Nico Rosberg driving, they were regularly getting into Q2. Hamilton joined in 2013. Uh, and again, they were still regularly, um, they were still regularly, sorry, Q, Q, Q3, Q3, I mean, right, they were, they were right, in the okay. top 10, right? They were yeah. often in the top 10. Sometimes they'd even get poles, but they'd just eat up their tyres generally and not manage to stay ahead, but they would win the occasional race here and there. Um, 2013 was again improvement before 2014 when they began, uh, you know, seven years of absolute dominance, really. Um, so there is a, a little history lesson for you, and it's amazing. So since that time... Uh, 2012 is when we last saw a Mercedes not in Q3 and that was a little bit of a history lesson of how they got to that point where they've been in Q3 all the time. So yeah, and Ross Braun left, I can't remember what year he left, but he really did build, he played a huge part of building the team up into what it became, um, you know, into the real behemoth that it became and deserves a huge amount of credit for how well that team has done, I think, because it was the strategic, you know, the strategic goals that he set. And it was the saving those people. He saved those people's jobs. Um, you know, when, if he hadn't bought the team, they would have folded and a lot of people would have lost their jobs and we never would have seen that amazing potential. The amazing story of a privateer team winning the Formula One World Championship. Because mm. that's what happened. Uh, it was amazing. So the car that was pretty much one of, sometimes the slowest car on the grid in 2008, won the championship in 2009. Pretty good. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Verstappen got pole. Um, next. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> sprint race. So, yeah. So actually, and there was a minor change. So this is our first sprint race of the year. Um, the, now, pole position is not the winner of the sprint. It is the the person who qualifies the fastest on the Friday, which I think is the correct decision. For me, pole position is the person who qualifies the fastest. You so they changed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they've changed that. Yeah, I thought that that should be the case, and I, th- I think they've changed it, so it was a good change. So we're moving on to the sprint race on the Saturday. Uh, dry, it was dry. Uh, Leclerc took the lead from Verstappen at mm. the start. 
uh, really good. And uh, Verstappen actually almost ended up going back to third behind Lando Norris, but just managed to stay ahead. Um, there was some great racing through the field, I think. There was some some good um, passing. There was a bit of DRS playing the game, you know, here and there. But generally yeah. speaking, it was, a, it was a really enjoyable race. But the overall story for that, as far as we're concerned, for the championship, Max Verstappen saved his tyres. I think he really played the long game. I think he, he did too. Yeah, he kept close through a long period. And then at the end, when Leclerc's tyres had started dropping off, Verstappen uh, lined him up and passed him one or two laps from the end. Uh, wasn't many, maybe three laps yeah. from the end. A, a great pass. Very fair. Um, which, yeah, good, clean racing. Yeah, we've seen a very different, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say Verstappen because I, I, I don't think it's just Verstappen that's changed. I think some of the rules have changed as well and other things. But anyway, good, clean pass, and he got ahead. Um, yeah, I think he did pretty well, as you say, playing a long game because he could have got ahead earlier, but then may not have kept it. He may have seen like more switching, and that would have you know harmed both of their tyres. So having the capacity to wait and wait it out till the end to then try and make a move, I think worked really well for Max. I believe, so. yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. And also, uh, I think Norris finished fourth in the end in the sprint. Yeah, he did. Quickly. He did good. Yeah, so that that car held on pretty well. And and Russell did manage to get up the field a bit. Hamilton, I think, ended up finishing a position lower than what he started. Uh, I can't remember why. I think he got caught up in something. I can't remember the exact details of why. Not a good weekend for Hamilton. We will talk about, as no, you no, said, no. we will talk about that in a little bit later. Nick, um, and yes, did you enjoy the sprint race? I did enjoy the sprint race. I do enjoy the sprint races. So same. Yeah, I enjoy it slightly more now that there are more points at stake. I like that. Yeah, I do. And I actually really am interested in the fact that you enjoy them as a new fan because I think that's what sprint races are, f- are, you know, is part of what they're for, is for entertainment for the new fans. And it tends to be the older, grizzlier fans who don't seem to enjoy them because it's not, you know, well, there's a few different arguments. Some people say, oh, it's not traditional, whatever. Tradition doesn't exist in Formula One. The rules change, everything changes. That's a load of nonsense, in my view. Um, other people say, oh, well, I don't, you know, I can't sit down and watch it every time, you know, so like, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, yeah, a huge part of the world also doesn't get to watch the races live all the time yeah. because of the time zones, you watch them not live and that's okay too. You know, it, you ha- we have to accept that with more races that we have now of formula one, including the sprint races, you will not be able to watch every single session live mm-hmm. and that is okay. There is yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, it, I just view it as a bonus race. That's how I feel. It's just another great bonus race. Exactly, where we would otherwise get a practice session. Yeah, and I don't like practice sessions because they're kind of boring. Yeah, I don't see. I don't mind them either. But you know, we've had this discussion before. We right? have, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but either way, I prefer the sprint race. I think the drivers generally seem to quite enjoy them. And I and I saw some people making the argument that um, you know oh well there was a mixed up grid for qualifying and the sprint race just fixed it for the race. Well, we wouldn't have had the mixed up grid because qualifying wouldn't have been on Friday. It would have been on Saturday, mm. which was dry, and it's we would true. have probably had a normal grid. So I think that argument does not hold any water whatsoever. Honestly, I can understand. Like I understand people have different opinions. That's fine. Some people like it, some don't. But I mostly find the arguments for why people don't like it to not stand up to much scrutiny. Yeah. I mean, you can just not like it, but 
that's your opinion. Yeah, yeah, as and I do ours. like it. Yeah, and and I like it, and you like it, and I'll continue to like it. Um, and look, I am a long-time Formula One fan. Mm. You know, almost twenty years of watching. And I used to be quite opinionated about, you know, the traditions of Formula One and stuff. And now I've sort of seen as Liberty Media took over and we moved away from the traditions of Formula One, how massively popular it's become. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I have more yeah. people to talk to about it. You know, like. Speaking they- of this, so even last year I was, I started watching and I knew one other friend who started watching and now six of our friends are watching. Like we just talk about it so much. That they're like, oh, I'll give it a try. And then they give it a try. Like, oh, we actually quite like this. Like, it's, yeah. It has done a fantastic job at capturing a new audience. For sure. And that has been through slightly ensuing the traditions. Some of them are maintained, and and that's great. But, yeah, I don't, I just, honestly, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I like more racing. So, anyway. Anyway, that's enough. We've said this pretty much every time after all the sprint races. There will be some that aren't that interesting. There will be some that are more interesting. It's the same for normal races. It's the same for normal qualifying sessions. It's, it is it is Formula One. Um, and I look forward to the next one. I actually thought, uh, before we move on, I thought Imola wasn't a great pick because it tends to be very hard to overtake at Imola. But it actually worked mm. out pretty well. I think it worked end. out pretty well. I, yeah. It was still compelling. It wasn't just everyone overtaking all the time, which is has its place as well. But I liked it. Yeah. Right, so... Race. Let's go. On to the race. Yes. So, uh, Sunday, it was a Sunday. wet start. Uh, it, it, was. Was very, it was very wet, actually. I think before the race started, it was like hugely wet, and I actually wondered if the race would get underway on time, but it, it, it did in the end. Uh, there was one side of the grid for the race start that was clearly better than the other, mm. which was the... Uh, so, the side that Leclerc was on, so he started second, which yeah. I think was the outside... Um, so the he started in the on the what you normally call the dirty side of the track was actually much better off, um, and the reason for that is in the wet, the wet the normal racing line tends to be very smooth because it's so used to having cars on there like the the asphalt or gravel or whatever is under there the road itself underneath the track is smoothed off from so many cars being on there and so much rubber. Whereas the outside of the track isn't as smooth, so it's more grippy. Ah, I yeah. see, I see. Yeah, okay. So yeah, then you got more grip in the wet. Yeah, well, you've got more grip on the yeah on the on the normal dirty line, and you often yes. see the drivers taking weird lines into corners when it's wet. They will be looking for grip rather than using the normal, theoretically faster racing. Or line. in some cases, they'll be looking for wet to cool the tires. But we can talk about that later. Oh yes, yeah, good point. Good point. So yeah, straight off the start, um, Science and uh, Danny Rick had a, a coming together, which was caused really by, uh, I think Danny Rick didn't I get his Danny, quite good yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Science got alongside him, and then it was a bit clumsy, really. It was ultimately Danny Ricardo's fault, but I, he was trying on the inside. He was trying to leave as much space for Science as possible, so he didn't crash into him. He climbed up on the curb, which was wet, and slipped off, and just, just tagged the back. Yeah. Of, of sciences where we were and the unfortunate thing was it was like uh racing you know like road contact patch side of the tire so the main face of the tire to the main face of the tire and that almost always ends in a spin if they'd gone like tire sidewall to tire sidewall he probably wouldn't have spun but yeah. because you get two tires rotating in the same direction they grip against each other and, right. and it yanks on. one of them around mm. yeah a little bit unfortunate and science was out yeah he got beached and Danny managed to keep going. Danny did fall to the back of the field, but he managed to keep going. 
out of the gravel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, it yeah, sucked and- just to see signs, you know, beached in the first or second corner. It did. It did. And I think, you know, he's done what a, a combined total of about two thirds of a racing lap in the last two races. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I think so, did he? Didn't he? It was the first lap he crashed on in Australia, I think. I can't remember exactly. He's done very little. It's It's been rough for him, and some yeah. of it is self-caused. You know, he wouldn't have been up there with um, Daniel Ricciardo had he not crashed in qualifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's not looked... I personally think that... I think he's quite fast, um, science, and I think he showed, you know, like against Lando Norris as well, but I think he's having to push so hard to maintain that speed that he is making mistakes and he really wants to beat Leclerc and after last year you know when he did beat him in the points he's thought hey I can do this you know I can beat him but I think where he beats him is inconsistency it's not in pace and and it's almost like he's forgotten that and I imagine that you know as a racing driver you you never want to think you're slower than someone else for sure you want to yeah I did ask you this last time Um, I'll ask you again do you think now Ferrari's going to treat Leclerc as the first driver fully. I don't think they need to. Because oh, you think it'll just bear out in the yeah, way it's going? Yeah, it okay. kind of does at the moment. Um, you know, and, and science has just re-signed for two more years yep. at Ferrari. Um, I think, I don't honestly believe that Ferrari took him on with a view to having two number one drivers. I genuinely don't. They will have seen okay. something in the data that suggested that Leclerc was slightly faster than Sainz, but I think what they really wanted was two pretty fast drivers, which ultimately is what they've got. And in fact, if those two iron out their mistakes, I think they're comfortably the best driver. Or, no, there's uh, I've just forgotten about Hamilton and Russell, but you know, I think they're a very, very competent driver pairing. Um, yeah. And... and Maybe, actually, maybe they are better than Hamilton and Russell because I think with Hamilton and Russell, you potentially have a battle to be the number one driver. Mm. In this case, I don't think the battle is there because I think Leclerc wins it naturally, but Sainz is close enough that he's really close. Unlike, you know, Verstappen and Perez, where I think Perez is a little bit further behind, which sometimes means he doesn't finish as close to Verstappen as you'd like him to. And it was the same with Bottas, you know, and Hamilton back in the day. So potentially, yeah, a really, really, really strong driver pairing but they are combined making quite a few mistakes. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it was a bit of a quiet race for a while there. It was. And, yeah, and I think um, there was a long period before they changed the slicks, and then it, and then it happened real fast. So Daniel yeah. Cardo, he was at the back anyway, and they went, right, let's just give it a whirl, and he was straight away faster. Yeah. Like, immediately um, setting purple lap time, so fastest sectors. So everyone polled in just about straight away. Not much really changed because of that, because everyone pulled away at once. And at once, so no, did was, have an unsafe release in the pits. Yeah, Ocon yeah. Uh, snuck in front of um, oh, Hamilton. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. hey, what happened to Alonso? Did I'm just trying to remember now. I feel like something bad happened to Alonso. Yeah, another rough engine, weekend. Engine fail. Yeah, he had to retire the car. Yeah, rough, yeah. rough weekend. He has looked the last two races. He has looked very strong. Yeah. Very, very strong. And he's been really unlucky with reliability. Um, They took a while to turn DRS on. Everyone was saying, why isn't DRS on? And then eventually it was turned on. Yeah. And then interestingly afterwards, everyone was saying that. And I was kind of thinking that too. And then interestingly afterwards, there was a different perspective, which was, hey, we almost saw a bit of a race without DRS. Yeah. And it's not that far off not needing it. You know, like Imola is a hard place to overtake traditionally anyway 
And the cars were still following really close without DRS. And that is a great sign, I think. It really is. I, yeah. I still think it's hard to overtake. And it always has been. It always will be. You are facing the best drivers in Formula One. You know, like it's yeah. it's never going to be easy. I think but you the don't only see that like gap spreading as much as it did before the regulation change, right? No. Oh no, yeah. it's nowhere near. Like they it's can really nice. pretty comfortably stay within around about a second. Uh, and it seems like they can push. So I I'm imagining that's also part of the tire the tire changes because and mm, even true. with the better cars. Uh, you know, if you'd used last year's tyres, I think they would have overheated the tyres um, and had to fall back. Whereas, you know, this year with the combination of the more underfloor downforce, which is less uh, prone to to dirty air, and the the tyres that the drivers are asked to overheat less, uh, it really it's made a massive difference, and and that is great. You know, I think if you can have a close race like this in Imola without one car necessarily being a whole bunch slower, because we have had close, plenty of close races in Imola before, Yeah. Um, yet then I think it's a good sign. And once the DRS was on, you know, there was some more overtaking. Uh, was that Sonoda around the outside of Stroll? That was awesome, you know, like when he went right out. No, it was Stroll trying to go around the outside of Sonoda, I think. Right, okay, yes. Yeah, and he went like, it was the two cars together. He went like right out in oh, the wet. Yes. I don't think yeah, he got yeah, past yeah. him in the end, but it was a great move. And, you know, with Stroll, sometimes you're like, oh my God, he's going to crash. I'm probably doing him a disservice. But yeah, it was a great, he didn't get past him in the end, but it was really, um, really he's cool trying. attempt. Yeah. 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 I was with the, I hadn't seen this, or maybe I didn't notice it last year with wet races. When it starts to dry out, the drivers can swerve off the line temporarily to get water on the tyres to keep them cool. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very common technique. And while the race was on, I was sort of explaining this to you a little bit, is that there is a bit of a, a thing that goes on where you've got your, your wet tyres, your intermediate tyres, with deep grooves in them. As yes. the track dries up, yes. they, it wears the grooves away to a point where the tyre becomes more and more slick. And there, there comes a point where if you put the intermediate new if you went in a pit and put new intermediate tires on you'd actually be slower than your old tires because they have yeah. less contact with the road yes and that's a real fine choice because sometimes there's enough wet water around that the new intermediate tire will be a lot grippier it was also a cold day and there was no sun so i think the dry line formed quite quickly but the rest of the track was still very wet which yeah, makes it day. really risky for mm. taking on slicks because you know like as soon as you go off the racing line, you're in trouble, which means you can't pass yeah. anyone, stuff like that. But it did eventually get there. And yeah, they did eventually turn DRS on and we saw some DRS trains, basically. Yeah, spinning around yeah. the track. Speaking of yeah. spinning, what happened to one of our Ferrari people? Yeah, so, well, what happened was... The only there was, Ferrari person. Yeah, there was enough yeah. gaps in the, in the track. And I think at that stage, it was uh, Verstappen from Perez from Leclerc. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three. There was enough gap between Leclerc in the third and Norris in fourth that he could stop for new tyres to to set the fastest lap to yeah. gain that point. Um, and when he did that, Perez stopped as well. And then, you know, they all ended up stopping because one triggered the other. But Perez got close enough. Uh, Leclerc got close enough to Perez that, you know, he could really have a good go at him. He was pushing so hard, Leclerc. He, uh, at Variante Alta at the top chicane, this is one other thing I love about Imola. The corners have names. They're not numbers. Yeah. I love that. It, <laughs> you know, you got Tamburello, you know, probably potentially the most famous corner in Formula One because of, of Senna dying there. You know, the hairpin at Toza. You've got, um, you know, Variante. Well, Variante Bass is gone now, actually, which was the second chicane. That was just before the start finish straight. That's been deleted now. 
Um, you've got Ravazza 1 and 2, which is the last two corners as you come down the hill. Aquaminerali, you know, all these beautiful mm, names for corners. Aquaminerali, I love. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Villeneuve chicane, you know, they've all got these, mm. these amazing names, and that's a great thing to see. Anyway, at the very anti-alta, so the, the top chicane, uh, with the big curbs that Leclerc was just pushing a bit hard, and we were on board with him at the time in the race, we were... and you could see it happening. He just clattered over the curb and straight away. It was like, oh, no, and yep, he went around. He was actually really lucky to continue at all. He hit the wall surprisingly hard. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, but he managed to get going again, um, but he dropped out of third place. And he dropped all the way back to like eighth or something, I think. Yeah. Um, came back for a few places, but was pushing really hard, um, which I admire. I admire, but I, I, I'm seeing a trend, you know, that, that yeah. Leclerc makes mistakes when he has to push very hard. And when he has a car that's really good and he, I don't know, maybe he still has to push hard. I'm not quite sure, Liz. It's almost like a, a bit of a mental thing. You know, it happened in Monaco last year, for example, you know, he had pole position and then he crashed the car and that cost him the race win probably mm. because it meant his car was broken for the next day, which they didn't know about, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, you, you won't win a championship like that. No. You won't. It, it, yeah, it feels like a waste to throw away third place points for the cost of one point, you know? Like, I understand wanting to steal it off Max, but at the risk of spinning... Is it worth it? Well, I don't think he was going for fast lap. I think he was trying to overtake Perez. Oh, okay. See, I think yeah. it was both. But yeah, no. Yeah, oh, yeah sorry. It would have been both. But yeah. yeah. So it would have been moderately more than one point. But again, uh, championships are one on your bad days, not your good days, mm. is, the, you know, is the old saying. And, I, and I, I believe that to be true. And I yeah. think today was a day where he probably just needed to recover the points. And instead, um, you know, what we saw happen is we've seen a a 48 or 46 point deficit pretty much halved in one race. And mm. and the day before, you know, or two days before, we were talking about how difficult it looked for Max, but still doable. You know, it's a long yeah. season, but it's a long way off. Um, and now it's like, it's almost down to just one race win. Yeah, it feels like Max and Hamilton midway through last year again. Yeah, yeah. So interestingly, um, Max took maximum points from the mm. weekend. Maximum points. Maximum points. Uh, yeah, which, you know, so he took the sprint race points, he took the fastest lap, he took pole position, and he took the race win. Mm. Um, the, you know, which is, um, I don't know what the word is for that. We have the, I can't remember, what, do you know what it's called when it's pole race win fastest lap? A Not a trifecta, it's called grand something slam. else. Grand Slam. It is. Sweet. We do call it a Grand Slam, but it has an actual French name. I have to look it up. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, we don't. I joked it was Le Grand Fromage. Yeah, not. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the big cheese. Yeah. yeah. I think drawing uh, comparisons to last year, I do wonder if this is just mainly a mental game with Leclerc because I said last year that Verstappen had never been in a position that he was fighting for a championship before. And, you know, some small mistakes were beginning to show because he's not desperate, but, you know, really pushing for it. Mm. And I wonder if Leclerc's hit that same mentality early on, knowing he's got such a lead, knowing he kind of needs to keep that lead the entire year. And so he's kind of risking it. Potentially. I, I, we didn't see that from Verstappen, I think, until much later. Until, yeah, exactly. You know, the when the, it yeah. seemed like the Mercedes was clearly a faster car. And, uh, well, I think it was anyway, especially in race trim. And he was having to really wring the neck of the Red Bull to stay close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I do I do see what you're saying. And and potentially that is the case that, you know, there's a little, it's the, you know, the 
Or maybe it's because he felt like, okay, I can afford to potentially throw away pointy. He probably didn't think about it that hard, to be honest. But it is I mean, interesting. Yeah, no, no. It probably wasn't a calculated thing, but I'm just thinking like, no. I'm not a sports psychologist, but what would be happening subconsciously in your like, you know, end yeah. of race mind? Yeah, and now, you know, the pressure is, is I think, it's very on. different now. Yeah, yeah the, pressure, sure. the pressure is back on. Uh, and I guess there's a question around Red Bull's reliability, of course, but if they fix their reliability issues... I mean, they look like comfortably the fastest car. I mean, life. very dominant in that race. Very yeah. good. Yeah, though having said that, I think the Ferrari looked like the very dominant car in Australia. So, which was only two yes, weeks before. true. So, yeah, is that a track thing or not? Yeah, I, I, you know, and it probably is a little bit track specific and we'll probably see it ebb and flow uh, between them. But if I, was, if I got offered either drive right now, I'd take the Red Bull. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think I would. You know, even I take the risk on the reliability issues because I think their their car maybe has a bit more ultimate potential than the Ferrari, and I base that on no knowledge whatsoever, <laughs> other than I've watched Formula One for twenty years. You know, like yeah. Um, what did you think of the other drivers in the race? Yeah, so I think there was some some real notable things in there. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought Seb had a really good. Mm. sort of comeback race what I felt like was a comeback race you know after yeah. Australia which was god awful um, really a terrible weekend for, for Vettel probably his worst weekend I've ever seen him have really and, wow. and not all of it you know some was down to him some wasn't um, but it was it was awful he did really well I think in, in the car that didn't deserve to be in the top 10 he right. finished in the top 10 and Sonoda you know like I have mixed feelings about Sonoda purely because uh, I'm a Kiwi and Liam Lawson is a Kiwi and he is potentially lined up for that Red Bull seat should mm. Sonoda not pull it out. So, you know, I'm partially going, oh, you know, like I don't want him to do well. I want to see Lawson get in that seat, but i got to hand it to him. He's He looked really good. He looked a lot better than Gasly this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And, and Norris- actually, they were both out in Q1 mm. uh, in qualifying, by the way, that that at their home track. That car did not look good in Q1, but Snowed a really good comeback. Sorry, carry on. Oh, I was going to say Norris in the McLaren. Um, yeah, P3. Interesting turnaround, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. And then Russell Forth, you know. In, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Russell Forth is more surprising than maybe than, well, Norris I think it is. is great, I think it is. But Russell am... Forth is more surprising given Hamilton's in, in the same team in the same car and is lacking. Yeah, and what did Toto Wolf say? The car was undrivable. Well, yeah, oh my goodness. Not for Russell. Pandering to your star driver, come on. Yeah. All right, we'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. Okay. I, mm. I think um, Russell has is, is pulled it out, really, this yeah. last weekend, and I'll be interested to see if he keeps it up because was, that was a very impressive weekend. And then I, I, I think it's a garbage car. I mean, it's still the third or fourth fastest car in the grid. So we keep saying it's a disaster for them. It's not a McLaren-level disaster from some of the years or William-level disaster. You know, they are still comfortably the third or fourth fastest car, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, but... But Russell given their position, well. it's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so Verstappen really had, I don't think, put a foot wrong. Um, no. You know, yeah. neither did Red Bull. So Red Bull took... Do they take max points? They no. were one and two. Not in the sprint race, though. No, they weren't in the sprint. No. So they almost took maximum points away f- for the whole thing. And uh, either they are right behind or are they ahead of Ferrari in the championship? I can't remember now. Like, they have, you know, considering they had, what, we have had four DNFs already for them. Mm. 
Um, I think they look very strong this weekend, and it could just be purely dumb luck. Could be a cold track thing. Right? Because, you know, this was a cold weekend. Maybe the heat doesn't work. No, they are ahead. They are. Oh, sorry, they're behind. They're behind, but they're only 11 points behind. Yeah. And considering that they've had, what, two double DNFs? No. They've had three DNFs or whatever. They've had a lot of DNFs. Um, it's you know, it's pretty remarkable, I think, um, that they got where they are. And yeah, and and just you know, like I, I guess with Norris, it, they were that McLaren was the slowest car in the in the yeah, first for, race for sure. Um, and you know, to see them on a podium, and it was not luck. Like that was around about where the car sat. The only thing yeah. that was missing there is so he would not have been on the podium because Science and Leclerc would have finished him ahead of him normally. But I'm not calling that luck. It wasn't some crazy result. No. Um, yeah. And, and he would have, if not, he would have finished fifth in yeah. what was, again, the slowest car, slowest car. A, a few races ago. So yeah. incredible. Incredible. Anything else that you can think about the race we want to talk about? No, I just want to talk about Russell and Hamilton. And then yeah, well, other, okay. other driver pairings, right. I guess. But. All right. Let's, let's, let's move on to that discussion. Yeah, then. So, so moving on from Imola specifically. Um, well, I guess, you know, yeah, specifically. It was an interesting weekend where Hamilton looked downbeat. He sounded downbeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't for a minute believe that he's given up because you don't win seven world championships by giving up easily. No. But he did seem down. And Hamilton can, you know, can be like this. I've Something I've observed in, you know, 15 years of watching Hamilton race is he does wear his heart on his sleeve. And when it isn't, it's properly not going well, I think he lets it, he lets it drop a little bit. Right. Um, you know, as he does. And then he'll come back very strong. Right. But I, I, this is kind of what I expected to happen to a certain extent. I did think Russell would do very well. Um, I don't think that gap was a real representation. It was a bit of a weird weekend, you know, the way it worked out. But, I, but Russell did look comfortably faster than Hamilton this weekend. Agree. Yeah, I... I'm very proud of Russell. Proud because, of course, I you know I trained him, developed him, mentored him myself. Yeah, yeah. So I have a stake. But <laughs> made him. He's, he's, yeah, he's doing really well, and I do want to see what happens to the team in that regard. Because I was kind of hoping this year that Hamilton would take Russell under his wing and like foster him, and you know, still win races, but give that back to Russell. But it seems that Russell's kind of just doing it alone right now. Oh, I don't, I I would believe that Hamilton is definitely helping, and Russell himself said that. You know, behind the scenes in the factory, Hamilton is amazing with what he's doing right now with the team. Okay. So, yeah, I think he does get his, his lip down a little bit in the immediate aftermath of a poor race. Right. But, but I, yeah, like I said, I don't believe for a minute that he's not working very hard at it. Um, you know, you said before about pandering to driver. So what what did Toto say? Um, um, something along the lines of, I'm sorry, Lewis, this is not where we want to be. The car is undrivable. Yeah. I which I, Yeah, I don't agree with for a start because you know like i said they're the fourth fastest car and russell managed to finish fourth yeah so that is an factually incorrect statement (laughs) and (laughs) i think had christian horner said it he would have been lambasted in social media and i think toto wolf gets a lot of slack um for for some of the stuff and you know they are two very different kinds of leaders and i hugely admire what toto wolf has done um but i do think sometimes that team plays it up a little bit and and pretends like they don't. Whereas Red Bull, you know, Christian Horner, he loves to play the pantomime villain. It's what they do, you know, and they've embraced that fully, and I'm okay with that. Whereas yeah. Mercedes, you know, they are like the good guy. They want to see themselves as the good guy. Um, 
and they you know they're not always the good guy but anyway <laughs> anyway i yeah very interesting and i think what wolf is saying there is he understands hamilton is there because he wants to win an eighth championship and this is in my mind you know i, I could be wrong i can't you know i can't say to know what hamilton is thinking but i believe that hamilton is now in formula one purely because he wants to win that eighth championship he's got plenty of other things he wants to do with his life i'm don't get me wrong i'm sure he loves racing but I'm yeah. sure there's other things that he thinks he could do he could better be with his time, time now. Yeah. Um, but he wants to win that eighth championship because, you know, that would be an amazing achievement and, yeah. and incredible and would probably cement him as the greatest driver. Or certainly he would be become under all under all statistics, effectively, the the most successful driver of all time. Yeah. Um, and now this is a wasted year. They're not going to win the championship this year. And for Hamilton, that means another nineteen races driving around, you know, knowing that he's not going to win the championship, wondering if he bothers coming back next year, because what if the car is bad next year as well? Mm. And he's not the kind of person I don't believe to abandon the team midway through if they build a crap car next year. Yeah, totally. So there is a counter argument to that, and that is the rule set is stable. It is new and it is stable. So any work that Mercedes do this year to improve the car will benefit them next year. This is true. So anything that Hamilton can do this year, so it's not a wasted year in that respect, right? They can build yeah. a better car for next year. But right now, right I think now that's going to be, yeah. yeah, that's going to be a pretty, you know, terrible feeling. For Russell, he's all new to all this. It'll be like amazing. Yeah, well, I finished fourth. Wow, this yeah, is incredible. Wow, this you is know? the best I've ever yeah. done. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't expecting to be that in a Mercedes. He was probably expecting to be in a race winning position and they may get there, you know, at some stage this year. But... I can understand why Hamilton is a little bit bummed out. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, other driver pairing, Mick and K-Mag. Yeah, so uh, Mick Schumacher has not had a great start to the season. No, no, no. No, he has not. And K-Mag really has. Yeah, K-Mag's showing, as we said in the second podcast of the year, I'm not sure how good Haas' car is. Like, it's a decent car. Yeah, and and again, I was going to I was going to have that discussion again, you know, about about the fact that if Mick Schumacher, Mick Schumacher hasn't scored any points yet, if Mick Schumacher remains a pin in that car, that car is the only car that hasn't scored any points. Yeah. But so K Mag, it's yeah, yeah it's crazy. yeah, I, yeah, good good driver in mediocre car. Yeah. Versus... So on that basis. If you could only examine the first four races of the year, would you keep Mick Schumacher for next year? No. No, I probably wouldn't either. I would take a chance on another rookie. I think I would too. And that's a little bit sad, I think. But but this isn't the only time we get to see him, thankfully. I mean, and there I, are another I, 19, 19 races. races. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I believe he will come, you know, I, I believe he will come back stronger. From what I've seen, you know, he'll be learning a lot from K-Mag, I reckon. And I think K-Mag looks very relaxed. He's probably happy to share stuff, especially when you're For beating sure. your teammate anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I, think he'll, I think he'll learn a lot. And uh, yeah, I, I back him to, you know, to improve. But on this basis, I don't think he's... He's not going to be his father. No. Let me put it that way. He's not yeah. going to win seven world championships. He, anything that he does, I think... And, and this happened to him, actually, in the other series, is that he does actually have quite a good pace. He's got a good racing brain on him but it takes him quite a while to get there. 
Right. And I, I think the true greats hop in and, and do well instantly. You know, I think of yeah. um, things like Sebastian Vettel, you know, winning in a Toro Rosso in 2008. Um, yeah. Max Verstappen won his first race in a Red Bull. You know, like, mm, you know, the, the, Lewis Hamilton came third or, you know, in his first race, you know, for, for McLaren. It, it, I haven't seen that spark from Mick Schumacher. Yeah. I think what we're saying is like the winners take to it like a fish to water, right? It just seems natural. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. You know, and I also wanted to, you know, like I really enjoy seeing the racing in Amala. It is one of my favorite tracks. I was so happy when they started going back there again. They have a contract for till 2025. Um, and I, and I, you know, it wasn't an overtake fest. And I really believe if every race is going to be, you know, people get upset, oh, this one was a bit dull. There wasn't enough overtaking. Well, why don't we just run on ovals then? What's the point? Every, you know, track should have different challenges. And I do appreciate the races where there are lots of overtaking. It's great and everything. But, you know, too much of the same thing gets dull. Variation and is the spice of life. Exactly. That is one mm. of my favorite sayings, you know. And Imola may not have a lot of overtaking. It is a difficult track. You know, we saw plenty of people over the weekend going off and crashing. It is a difficult track. There, you can overtake, but it's difficult. And it is rewarding. And it's, how cool is it watching the cars race in amongst the houses, you know? Oh, it's super and, exciting. And, yeah. It's just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would also, if anyone's selling one of those houses, I would gladly buy it off you. Oh, yeah. I bet. I wonder what they're worth. I'd love to know, actually. Because Probably part of me lot. thinks uh, a lot because it's near a racetrack. But then, I mean, honestly, it's a year-round racetrack. Um, a lot of people would really not like that. And, True. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it is also, you know, like a stunning part of Italy as well. I mean, a lot of Italy is stunning, but um, yeah. Um, also, you know, we talked about McLaren already. They are looking a lot better. And they, from what I understand, from from what they've been saying, they believe that's not necessarily track specific. They think that is about where the car sits now, that they've made some really good improvements. I did mm-hmm. hear, I think it was Mark Hughes from The Race uh, said that, their their problem overall is a lack of downforce, but at right. least they know what the problem is. And you know, like not like Mercedes. Mercedes don't really know what the problem with their car is. It's porpoising, but they don't really know how to fix it. Yeah. As in the McLaren, it's like okay, we need more downforce. Um, you know, and yeah, they're not going to be challenging Ferrari or Red Bull this year. So part of me is like happy because yeah, they you know like maybe looking at the third fastest car as a McLaren fan. And then I remember that they were at least as fast as Ferrari mm-hmm. last year and Ferrari, yeah. you know, was leading the championship. So a um, bit of a bummer. But McLaren have said that they believe they're looking until at least 2024 when they get their new wind tunnel before they are really in a position to challenge for the right. championship again. Um, yeah, and and yeah, that's about it. I think, uh, you know, as a McLaren fan, it, it's made me happy because, boy, I was like, oh, God, here we go. We're having another mm-hmm. 2000 and, 15 16 you know and that was yeah my, my poor little mclaren heart couldn't take that oh your poor little mclaren heart Nick. yeah it's okay have you It'll built your fine. lego mclaren yet by the no, way patrick got I a haven't. lego mclaren as a gift Whoa. i'm yeah super excited uh but no we are still unpacking boxes in the house and it's a mess so but yeah but soon yeah. and when when we do i will be sure to rub it in your face a lot uh yeah fantastic yeah you're welcome okay. also i'm pretty sure this is our longest podcast ever how long has it been? It's been 44 minutes. Oh my God. In All right. 20 seconds. It sounds like a good time to wrap it up. Yeah, go on. Right. So 
Miami this weekend. Looking forward to it. Uh, race at a time that we can, well, like potentially watch, watch it. live. Uh, yeah, mm. we. You won't watch it live, but because uh, you have work. But yes, I also have work. But I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. Um, yes, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. There's been a lot of talk about Miami. Um, you know, it looks good. There's been a huge amount of PR. Uh, some of it good. Some of it interesting to do with the fake marina which yeah, I, I found marina, no marina quite amusing <laughs> the pretend water like yeah. I don't know. yeah it's very american it'll, it'll be interesting yeah embrace it i'm hearing good things about the racetrack and the overall weekend apparently um you know is 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 already sounding fantastic people are loving it um which is great though i do hear the ticket prices are insane yeah um and there's also some other stuff you know a little bit bumming out which is like it's in a really poor neighborhood and the poor people did not want the race there um yeah. you know which kind of sucks because everyone's going to go and spend their money in the rich areas um so that you know a bit of a bummer and yeah but that is the nature of formula one um and i think that's something that they need to work on anyway on that lovely bright note we will look forward to another race discussion um in a pretty short space of time hopefully and yeah. uh yeah it's we'll goodbye from time. me. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Cool. We'll catch you next time here on Formula None.